Look at the person next to you and say, you are so awesome. That wasn't very convincing. Try it again. Say, you are so awesome. And look at him again saying, you can't even help it. Thank you, Lord. Well, I'm not going to keep you long because we do have a, a, a short meeting after this. And we kind of just went forward in worship, which, of course, we love to do. Right, Wendell? <laughs> How you doing, Pops? Good to see you. Love you, man. Uh, we, uh, we, we're just going to go over a couple things, um, just direction where we're headed. Exciting, good things. Um, but if you want a full sermon, you can go online because I preached a full sermon 9 a.m. I'm not going to preach a full sermon right now. Um, some of you are smiling big. It's just so strange. <laughs> so much joy. The joy of the Lord just all of a sudden. Pastor Zach's letting us out early. Glory. <laughs> Those are the people you pray for, for the joy of the Lord. And just are like this. You preach a short sermon. <laughs> oh, glory to God. <laughs> just bubbles all up. <laughs> Praise God. Um, uh, I, we haven't been with you. And uh, we, we missed a Sunday because my wife and I were... Uh, taking a break. We took seven days off for our 15-year anniversary, and it was like a second. Thank you for the golf claps in the front row. If anyone else wants to contribute, they can. Um, it's technically our our second honeymoon. It's our first time away from the kids. That was like a non-ministry trip where we left town and uh, and just got away, and we went to Cancun, Mexico. Gloria a Dios, Señor, te bendiga. And just so you know, that was 100% spontaneous. But I do have a little Latino blood inside of me somewhere. So we went to Cancun, one of the most beautiful places if you love the beach and you love good food and you love to hang out. And we got to just relax and, oh, man, it was such a blessing. And how many know you were in good hands while we were gone? Come on, somebody. Pastor Chris, I got to catch first service, a little bit of second service. And, um, and so Pastor Chris brought it, and, and you all did well. So I want to um, just share some things that have been on my heart. We've been doing a series on Reformation contamination. And what I want to talk to you about right now is uh, the, the concept of renewing your mind. I, I want to talk to you about like what what does that mean and wh- how, how do we how do we see that uh, uh, active in our life? Like I want to renew my mind, or, or I want to, according to Ephesians four, be renewed in the spirit of our minds, in the attitude of our mind, in the the way that we think, in uh, in our beings that we are uh, we're actively alive in our minds. Now I want I want to talk about what that means and I want to say this that uh one of the things that religion will subtly do is will try to dampen and eventually nullify the creative nature that God put inside of you. Because every one of you has a song and a sound and a voice. And if the enemy can dull in your sound, he's in fact nullifying the voice of the Lord through you as a son of the living God. In fact, Romans 8 says that all creation groans and eagerly awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. And so you have a sound and even the world itself is groaning. Even the world itself is longing for you, for your voice. Now, I'm not talking about just you 
declaring what you think is right to say, I'm saying God wants to hear you. The, the world is waiting for your voice and your sound and your song to come alive inside of you. And one of the things that is subtle is if, if we if we grab a hold of some counterfeit and we think it's the real thing, we'll never know the real thing. I, I mean, I know some people, and, and I don't. If this is you, don't take offense. This is just a analogy, but I know some people that have tasted fresh squeezed orange juice and they're like, oh, I want some concentrated juice. I'm like, have you lost your mind? But they're so used to concentrate. That fresh squeeze doesn't taste good to them. Hello? And sometimes we get used to some religious rhetoric or some religious uh, propaganda, if you will. Uh, some some religion, the system of religion. It's like a system. It's like a, it's like a uh, pollution, if you will. It's like a contamination. And sometimes we're just breathing that air in inadvertently, we may not realize it, or we're like the concept of renewing your mind sometimes is this, it it is, uh, first of all, let me say this, Romans chapter 12, say Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. Now, most of you know it. Some of you have it memorized. Um, I'll, I'll may quote it or read it in just a moment, but it talks about renewing our minds. Now I I do believe that renewing your mind is this, Uh, it is replacing lies with truth. Amen? Matter of fact, that's how we're free. If we know the truth, Jesus said in John 8, 31, we will be set free, right? If you know the truth, the truth will set you free or make you free. I like that translation because set free is more of like, oh, like I'm, I'm set free. But make free is like you're just pushed into freedom. Like grace and the power of God pushes you into freedom. It's like catapults you into destiny. Don't you love that? Like he, truth makes us free. Now, I believe renewing your mind is, again, this is not the best analogy, but it'll work. How many here have a computer? Like this one right here. You have a computer. Okay. How many know that when your hard drive is full, your computer runs slow? Right? Isn't that right? And you got to delete some stuff. I recently had to transfer some stuff to another hard drive. Because mine was at capacity. Uh, not only that, but it it, it can actually uh, it can actually stop you from downloading specific softwares that you may need to do things to be more productive. Right? Kind of in the same sense, when when we are full of stuff in our minds, uh, we we don't just replace things. But sometimes it clouds the way we think. So the same way a hard drive can be full, religion can contaminate our thinking like a cloud of confusion and we don't quite think straight. Like, it, we, we, have you ever had days where just cloudy? You had one of those, what would we call it, a brain fart? That's like the gr- most gross thing, right? Brain, ugh, ugh, what does that even mean? But, right, you, have you ever had those days where you're just not thinking straight? Come on, somebody. Someone's like, every day. Oh. Well, it's the same concept. What we, don't, we may not realize this, that the Bible does say this, that uh, I think it's in the first letter of Corinth. Paul talks about how your spirit is what causes and gives you the ability to think. As a matter of fact, if you're tired, you can't think because your spirit's drained. Your spirit is that spark of life, that God DNA in you that gives you breath. And you're alive. The ability to think comes from your spirit. So if your spirit has uh, some sort of contamination, 
religious contamination, you're not going to think straight. So here's what I want to say. Renewing your mind is this. It's replacing the old with the new. But that, I think, is a limited definition. Sometimes we think renewing our mind is just memorizing Scripture. How many think it's good to memorize the Word of God? Hello? I think it's healthy. But we can become so religious in that that we miss the reality that it's supposed to point us to the author. Not make us feel more knowledgeable about ourselves. And sometimes we can renew our minds, but we're actually eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it's a law, it's a deed. Instead of eating from the tree of life, who is Jesus, who is truth, hello? And incarnational life, the living Christ, causes us to come alive. You see, the Spirit of God is what gives us life. When God breathed into Adam in the book of Genesis, are you all following me? Okay. When he breathed life into Adam, the breath of God comes. Now with that came the ability to do everything God told him to do. Come on somebody, that's a good word. When God says something to you, he gives you the ability to fulfill everything he said to you. That's what's beautiful about prophetic words sometimes is we don't realize that a prophetic word comes with power to see it happen. Luke chapter 1, no word of God is void of power. Some translations say, that, translations say that, that with God, nothing is impossible, but it's a better translation that no word, rhema, no rhema word of God, the voice of God is void of power. Come on, dunamis. So when God speaks to us, first of all, we have to receive it. He doesn't force us. God is not a coercive, all-controlling being. He made you with a free will. He made you with the ability to love. And love isn't love without a choice. So you receive, you open up your heart. And when you open your heart to the word of the Lord, life comes into you. And with that spirit breath comes the ability for you to do what he tells you to do. In Adam's case, which applies to us, come on somebody, have dominion, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And so with God breathing into us, with the fact that we're alive in Christ, with the fact that we are free from knowing the truth, we're, how many know God sets our bodies free? Amen. How many has, have been healed physically and can say, just holler at me right now. Say, come on, somebody. You've been healed physically. Now, God is good. He sets our body. He sets our spirits free, sets our souls free. Come on. He sets our minds free too. God does not want to control you. He wants you yielded to his heart and his love. The kingdom reign is not kingdom control. It's a government of love. Isaiah 16.5 in the message says, A new government of love will be established in the venerable Davidic tradition. God's government that's increasing. His kingdom reign, God's reign, what Jesus preached, the gospel of the kingdom, the king's domain is God's reign. When we think of a king, we think like, you know, whatever the king says, yes, we're always yielded to King Jesus. But sometimes what he says to you is, I want you to be responsible. And religion and control 
And the method that many churches or assemblies have been stuck, on, stuck under through de- denominationalism, through ways of thinking, through wrong concepts of God, hello, have contaminated our minds. And we think we're renewing our minds by memorize, memorizing a verse or believing in exact doctrine, which is probably a non-essential. But if someone threatens our non-essential, we get offended, not realizing that we've essentially made our non-essential a sacred cow and someone begins to knock and mess with it and we fall down with it. Listen, sacred cows are idols. Idols are not meant to be polished and played with. They are meant to be knocked down. Glory. But religious control and religious propaganda and things that, listen, here's what the enemy wants you to think, that you are growing when you're just learning. It's not the same thing. But we don't know the difference when we're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because it tastes good. It's appealing to our senses. But we don't realize we're actually dulling our senses. And we're clouding the way we think. And here's what the trick is when we are, quote, renewing our minds. We're actually nullifying the ability that God gave us to actually think and choose and be responsible on our own. Now I'm saying that because we've been talking about church history and different belief systems. And I want you to focus on Jesus. As a teacher, my job is not to teach you what to believe. It's to help you think. And many times we confuse belief with faith. Belief is a doctrinal thing. Like I want to be indoctrinated, you know. I don't want to, I don't want religious contamination. I want to know truth. Truth is a person. Belief is more of a system of thinking, which is good. But what I want is faith where the heart relies and trusts in a person. Because it's about relationship. It's about intimacy. Because his voice brings me into intimacy, not into religious systems. Amen. So we're talking about belief. We're talking about different things that we believe. And the whole point of it as a teacher is I'm not here to tell you what to believe. I'm going to help you to think for yourself. I want you to, I want your mind to be free. Now, let me just close with this. You ready? In closing, got a football game on, praise God, and a meeting coming up. Uh, I I really unpacked this a lot more in Ephesians chapter four, first service. Um, But I, let me just quickly read this to you. Ephesians four. Paul's talking about uh, that he wants the the gen, he wants these these Christians who are believing Gentiles and Jews, but primarily Gentiles, um, primarily non-Jews. He wants them to be free uh, from the contamination that has gripped their minds and their old life. He wants them to put it off. Now, now let me just read it to you in uh, the message, starting at verse 17, Ephesians chapter 4. If you don't have the message translation, just listen. It may even help to close your eyes. Um, Or if you have it on your phones, you can pull it up. So in the message, Ephesians chapter 4. Are you all enjoying this so far? Verse 17, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they have lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. 
They can't think straight anymore. Feeling no pain, they let themselves go into sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. Now, Paul says something similar to the Roman church when he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And he says, in fact, something that opposed their way of thinking as Greek thinkers. He says, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Because the body is now holy. But to a Gnostic Greek thinker, the body was corrupted and evil and, and the spirit was good. They, they like to separate that. And, and so he's telling them, listen, I want you to get rid of that way of thinking. To the Romans, he's also telling them, listen, you're righteous by faith. And he's telling the Jews, the believing Jews, I, I know that it's hard for you to understand that you've been practicing the law this whole time and meditating on the law. And these Gentiles are coming in and by faith receiving righteousness that you couldn't under the law. But that's okay. I want you to think differently because God's here now. God has come in Christ. God changed everything. God did, undid the work of Adam. Everything has been changed and rearranged and turned upside down. Can I hear an Amen. So he's telling them, I want you to think differently. I want you to don't be polluted. He's telling the church at Ephesus uh, something very similar, that you, your mind has been clouded because not only the, the, the seduction of religion, but that spirit uh, of the world will pollute our minds, zap our creativity. And you know, it's interesting to me, and it, it actually bothers me, that there is not the creative level in the church that you see in other realms, hello, in other communities. Like we should be making the best movies, not the flops, hello? Now if we realize that what God wants is not for us to be contaminated under religious control, none of that crap, hello? And I'm talking about domineering leadership. I'm talking about people, you have to believe this. You have to, no, you don't. You need to believe in Jesus and stop arguing over the non-essentials. If you're arguing over the non-essentials, it is very, very likely that you have made them sacred cows. And the reason you stumble is because the sacred cows are getting knocked down and you're clinging so tight you're falling with them. But God wants you to think for yourself. I want your mind to be free. I want your mind to be creative. I want the, 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 the spirit of your mind, is what he tells him here in just a moment, to be renewed. The spirit of your mind. Mind renewal is not just learning or memorizing a verse or replacing old things with new things. It is actually having the ability to think for yourself. For a thousand plus years, the spirit of religion contaminated and dominated the church and they live like victims under the control of an institutional church from about the fourth and fifth century till the reformation until someone rose up and said no more until reformers rose up and said no we're going to break free from this contamination and think for ourselves and not be force-fed things we honor our teachers we need teachers but they help us think. They don't feed us exactly what to believe. Hello. Now listen, I don't want you to believe what I believe. If what I believe helps you, great. I want you to think for yourself. I want you to know why you believe what you believe. I want you to know why you think certain ways. I want you to know that, that there are spiritual streams that you drink in that cause you to think ways and live ways. And they may influence you wrongly and they could be Christian too. Hello? 
You need to test the spirits. You need to be alive. You need to be aware. You can be connected to people relationally. Community is important. The church is important. Christ's gifts to the church are important. The local church, it's important to have people you're submitted to. That fathers, mothers that will speak into your life when you're deceived, when you're wrong. People that can question your God told me. Hello? Because when people can't question God told me, you will eventually become your own God. Nobody can dare challenge you. God told me. God told me. Some Christians have mastered it so well that they literally, every time they say it, I cringe. And some of you know what I'm talking about. It's called the smell of religion. It stinketh. There's a verse in the Bible, John chapter 11. Behold, he stinketh. Lord, he stinketh. Jesus is like, roll away the stone. No, Lazarus has been dead four days. He stinketh. Religion stinketh. It kind of smells like somebody who's been working outside for four weeks and they don't shower. Kinda, or maybe, and they urinate on themselves too, possibly. Or like, oh, uh, oh God. The spirit of religion. Hear me. I want you to get it. It's nasty. I don't want to have nothing to do with it. And I will not bow to it. And I want you to have that inner strength in Christ where you will not bow to religious control. Come on. Why? Because you're alive and you can think for yourself. Well, I've believed the rapture theory all my life. How dare you say that it might not be true? Hmm, it might be true. But just think for yourself. It's only 180 years old. And for 2,000 years, the church believed something entirely different, including all the reformers and church fathers that helped put the 27 books that you read and you say, God told me through. Hello? Don't cling to that sacred cow. Don't cling to that non-essential. I don't know how it's going to go down. But I believe it's going to be victorious and glorious. And I believe the spirit of fear is all over that stuff. And I won't bow to it. Let me close with this. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch, not only with God, but with reality itself. I read that part, verse 20. But that's no life for you. You learn Christ. My assumption is that you've paid careful attention to him, being well instructed in the truth, precisely as we have it in Jesus. That's a good word. Instructed in the truth that we have in Jesus. It's about Jesus. You're going to hear me say his name a lot the rest of my life because there's something about the name of Jesus. Because Jesus is truth. Truth is a person. It, truth is not a belief system. Truth is not religion. Religion will make you think it's true. But I'm telling you, truth is Jesus. It's not all that complicated, hard drive download stuff. It's pure. It's simple. It's Jesus. And the Holy Spirit makes things plain to us. He makes Jesus real to us. He makes Jesus plain to us. Religion makes it very complicated. And he says the truth that is in Jesus. Since then, we do not have an excuse of ignorance. Oh, I love the Apostle Paul. If he preached in our modern day evangelical churches, they would throw him out. If they didn't know who it was and he looked like us, he's wearing a robe from the first century. <laughs> If he dressed like us and walked into church and spoke English and preached the way he preached in power and authority, people would throw him out and call him a heretic and have no idea he wrote three quarters of the New Testament. He don't mess around. Let me go on before I start babbling on to eternity. 
We do not have an excuse of ignorance. Everything, and I do mean everything connected with the old way of life has to go. It is rotten through and through. Get rid of it and then take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside. In the NIV, New King James, it says this, it says to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renewing your mind is not just memorizing a verse or consuming religious propaganda or rhetoric or bowing to an institution or system. Renewing your mind is being alive and having the freedom and ability to think for yourself and being in relationship and being and having intimacy with the Lord. None of that other stuff. Oh, that's so liberating to me. I love it. That sounds great. Amen, Zach. You are preaching so good. I want to sit on the front row and just give myself an amen. I'm sorry. Lastly, he says, out of this scripture here, verse 24, Eugene Peterson in the message translation says this, Ephesians 4.24, and working itself, this renewed life from the inside, working itself into your conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. Let me say this. Let me say this. Identity precedes your conduct. When you know who you are, your conduct changes. Amen. Lastly, I said lastly and I said this verse. I know you heard me just say it again, but I boilerplated it. Second Timothy chapter 1. Let me just close with this powerful... Now, now Paul the Apostle... This great man of authority. He's an apostle. He's sent by God. He's a father to the churches. He, he, he was an apostle that traveled, but he also oversaw churches. One of them is the church of Corinth. One of them is the church of Ephesus, of whom Timothy was also an apostle, called an apostle. In the Bible, in the New Testament, there are 22 apostles mentioned by name, others implied, and one of them for sure was a woman. Well, women aren't supposed to be pastors. Yeah, they're, they can be apostles. You're right. And God appointed first apostles in the church. Pastors aren't meant to lead churches. They're supposed to be apostolic. The function of an apostle. Family, not a CEO. Headship, not authoritarianism. Community, not a corporation. So Paul, Timothy's spiritual dad, thank God for fathers. Thank God for fathers. He tells them something here, and sometimes we miss it, but it's powerful. Now, in that same, use your imagination. Imagine the authority that Paul carries. Like when, when Paul speak, he told the church of Corinth, I didn't come to you in meekness and fear, or I came to you in meekness and fear. I didn't come to you uh, to, to, with eloquence of speech. I'm chopping it up. I'm paraphrasing. But I came to you to demonstrate the spirit and the power of God. So when Paul spoke, there was a demonstration of power and authority. Now he's speaking to his spiritual son. Look what he says. I love this. 2 Timothy 1. And let's read verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. He says, remember that what you received, Timothy, son, when I laid my hands on you, there was an impartation. 
There was a release. Something stirred up. Something came alive. It could have been his ordination as an apostle. It could have been the confirmation that God had anointed him in that office. It could have been the gifts he received. It could have been the the gift that he was. It could have been all of the above. The word gift is charisma. So he says, stir up the charisma, what comes from the grace of heaven, the divine enablement of God, the very nature of Jesus smeared on flesh to do what flesh can't do on its own. Paul says, I want you to stir that thing up. And here's what he says. He says this right after, for the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid. Now there, there is a counterfeit to boldness, sort of arrogance and anger. Anger is like false strength, but boldness is from heaven. And boldness is people that know who they are and they're free and they can think for themselves. I want to see warriors of a bold community arise in the city. That that come up out of the cloud of confusion, of the pollution of the religion in the system of this world. Here's what he says. God isn't giving you spirit. One translation says fear. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to think for yourself. Don't be afraid to rethink. Hello? So many people are so afraid. Oh, I'm so, oh gosh, I'm I'm so afraid. Oh, I'm so scared. I'm scared. You're scared to think for yourself. Hello? (laughs) I'm making fun of it for a reason because it's silly. I just don't want any false doctrine, so I'm just going to stay in my room and read my Bible, and my name's Mickey Mouse. For some reason, my voice has turned into Mickey Mouse. Someone's talking about going to Disneyland, so just subconscious, I guess. World changers, hear me, are not afraid to rethink theology that's not bearing fruit. Listen, if it's not bearing fruit, lay the axe to the root. Get rid of it. I'm just... Sounds like a retarded Mickey Mouse. I'm sorry. Jesus, help me. It's a fear. It's a spirit. Listen, it's a spirit of, of, listen, it's like a cowardice, religious lie that you can't think for yourself. I'm talking about all the non-essentials. It's okay to think for yourself. Believe what you think is right based upon the spirit of God bearing witness. He is the best teacher. I love other teachers. I'm taught by other teachers. I believe in that. But the best teacher is the Holy Ghost. He will never lead you in error. Come on. I'm glad about 17 of you are filling me right now. The rest of you can get saved. Let me close with this. The Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear, but what? Power, love, and a sound mind. You know what a sound mind is? It's a sensible mind. It's a mind that has the ability to think for itself. I just can't control my thoughts. Then your heart has been hardened or taken captive by religion. Ephesians chapter 4, he says it. He says, you've been alienated. You're not thinking straight. You're not sensible because the hardness of your heart. Many of us think that if I just renew my mind, if if I take every thought captive, then my heart will be right. No, 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 no. He was writing to them, getting them to understand. No, if you posture your heart to heaven, your thoughts change. If you want to take thoughts captive, let your heart be totally captivated by God, by his love, by Jesus. Focus on Jesus. Come on, focus on who he is. And I'm okay with rethinking things that don't look like who he is because he is perfect theology. 
and I can be free from religion. God has given me the spirit of power, love, and a sound mind, a sensible mind, a disciplined mind. And I'm free. And I can minister life to people and they come alive. They come alive because I have a key. I have a revelation that I'm free. And I've been created for abundant life. And I've been created to be free from the contamination of religiosity. Father, we thank you for this moment right now. I just pray that your, your words, Lord, that the words that I've spoken that are indeed yours from heaven, the, the Spirit of God. Uh, Father, I just release blessings on your people. I declare total freedom that they would be made alive from the inside, that they would think and creative uh, things inside of them would come alive in Jesus' name. Some of you don't dream because of this contamination. I just break it off you now. Let the wind of God just come now and blow that cloud of confusion away. You're the God of peace. You're not the author of confusion. And I release right now just a blessing from heaven. I thank you. Oh, dreamers, dream in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that we have been created for freedom. And we won't settle for anything else. So we believe in Jesus. We trust in you. We set our hearts on you. And we thank you so much, Father, that you are building and uh, raising up a mighty army of God in this house. Oh, we just receive right now. I see this picture, Ezekiel 37. Uh, we, we know the story where God takes him on a mountain. He says, look at the valley. What do you see? And Ezekiel says, I see dry bones. And it was a valley of skeletons. And, and God says, can these bones live? And of course, Ezekiel, the smartest answer is, you know, Lord. And, and, and then God tells him, now call on the four winds and prophesy to these dry bones. Sometimes we stare at things that are dead, asking God to make them alive. when He's already given us authority over the atmosphere to call on the winds and begin to prophesy to death. But we can't prophesy to death because we've allowed the system of religion and that spirit of death. The ministry of death is what Paul called it. The ministry of death. We've allowed it to contaminate the way we think, so we keep seeing dry bones instead of an army. I just can't quite imagine that coming right. I can't, I can't imagine them ever getting free. See with the eyes of love, and you can prophesy to dry bones. Destiny, hope where there's no hope. Life where it looks like a waste land. Repairs of the breach, restores of the broken city. I don't care how long somebody has been addicted to methamphetamines or heroin. One touch from God can break those chains off of their life. I see a valley that is becoming an army. And he's breathing on it. And with the breath of God comes the life, comes the power to fulfill what he says. And the bones are coming together. And there is a reformation, a reforming of an army. A forming of an army. We're positioned. We're upright. We're alive. And we can dream. We can think. 
can be creative. We can write songs. We can write movie scripts. We can, we can be business owners. We can come up with ideas. We can cure diseases. Come on, somebody. Because the Spirit of God is being poured out in all flesh. And He's accomplishing His will in the earth through His people. So we open our hearts like the sail of a ship. And we catch the wind right now. Come on. We receive the wind of God right now. Come alive, people of God. I bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Would you give God a shout of praise? Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.